Welcome to the fourth ever episode of Half the Battle. I'm your host as always, Daniel Levy. Today's episode is brought to you by BestFightPicks.com. Go to BestFightPicks.com, type your email in that top right corner, and get the best fight picks sent directly to your inbox every single fight week. Joining me today on this special UFC 190 edition of Half the Battle is a man that knocked out Darren Cruikshank with a knee, choked out Ramsey Nijum, went toe-to-toe with Nick Hine, went toe-to-toe with Valmir Lazaro, and most recently submitted an undefeated and hyped Australian in Australia. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm talking about UFC lightweight James Vick. James, how's it going, man? Going good, going good. How are you? Doing excellent, my man. Now, the way we started talking was... You know, Koroshkov was fighting Lima, and I told you to never fade best fight picks. Not only did you fade best fight picks, but you cashed on the dog and then proceeded to tell me that you're going to change your name to best fight picks. So for your next fight, is Bruce Buffer going to say, uh, James, best fight pick, Vic? Maybe, maybe. I'm, uh, we'll think about it. I like my nickname, but the, I might just use that one as a secondary nickname. <laughs> For sure, man. So you were an upwards of two to one underdog in Australia against James Matthews. So did you and your friends like put down half your uh, show money on those great odds on James Vick? Um, well, uh, I'm not. Uh, my friends bet on me. That's all I can say. <laughs> Hell yeah, man. That's my awesome. <laughs> I gotta thank you for cashing our underdog play. You know that was a great night. You know yourself, Robert Whitaker, Brad Scott, Sean O'Connell, all the underdogs really came through that night. What was it like fighting an Australian guy in Australia? It was good. It was fun. I'm, uh, I, just being over there, I, you know, fighting out of the country, that's only the second time I've ever left the country, and it, it was a great experience. It was, it was, uh, the atmosphere wasn't as wild as I expected. You know, I expected to really get booed loud and, and you know, to be hostile, but it wasn't as bad as I assumed. And uh, I got booed a little bit, you know, in the introduction, but after the fight was over when I won and, you know, when I was in the uh, cage and doing my post-fight speech and everything, everybody, you know, everybody was cheering and clapping for me and, you know, they, they I guess they accept, you know, my win and it, it was a great experience, one of the better experiences I've ever had. Did you get to, like, spend some time in Australia for, like, a week after the fight or anything like that, see the koala bears and all that? Oh, yeah, yeah, I stayed, I stayed an extra week, uh, crazy, I went, I actually went kangaroo hunting, that was, that was a fun experience. And then I seen that I went and saw the Great Barrier Reef, and then I went to Sydney for a couple of days as well. Kangaroo hunting, huh? I've never heard of that. I mean, I know you're a Golden Gloves boxer. You didn't go toe to toe with them. You actually hunted them. Like, tell me about that. Oh, it was a crazy experience. You know, I was gonna post some pics, um, but I didn't want uh, any any liberals to cruci- crucify me on the on the media. You know, so I was a little smarter than that. But uh, um, you know, I grew up in Texas. You know, I'm from Texas. Grew up hunting and fishing. You know, I'm an outdoor person. You know. I did it my whole life, and uh, I was actually at the hotel. It was a crazy story. I was at the hotel, and um, I was talking to the, the, this couple, and I was asking them if they knew anybody that uh, that, that, that did expeditions, you know, hunting expeditions to continue on possibly. And this guy mentioned the fact that he owned him and his, his family owned a five thousand acre ranch, or they call them farms over there. But um, uh, and I was like, dude. You know, could could you take me hunting? Because over there they have very strict gun laws. But if you own if you own a ranch or a farm, then then you're allowed to have a, a firearms. And uh, I, what I did is, you know, the UFC gives you as a you, as a fighter, you get four free tickets to, to the events you fight on. And I didn't have anybody from Australia coming to see me. You know, coming all the way that far. So I, I offered him the four tickets to the UFC event. So he brought a, him and his buddies all came to my fight. And then I then he after the fight was over, 
about three or four hours later, he came to the hotel, picked me up, me and, me and my coach, and we went, we went kangaroo hunting. And it, it was fun. It was crazy. Uh, drove through the, drove through the, 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 the wheat fields, and um, uh, the, the wheat was really low, you know, just a couple inches at the time. And um, uh, drove through there with a spotlight and a shotgun on the back of a flatbed truck and shot them, shot them on the run. It was, it was crazy. It was so, so much fun. Dude, that's crazy. So it's like a, you know, a well-accepted thing to hunt kangaroos over there. Yeah, I mean, yeah, there, 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 there's so many. I mean, it was crazy because you know here we 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 hunt deer. Um, there they saw a deer and they were like, oh, uh, there was a deer we saw. There's not a big population of deer there, but they're like, oh, don't shoot the deer, don't shoot the deer. <laughs> but kangaroos, yeah, I mean, you know, the, um, they skin them and eat them over there. I, I, I ate kangaroo a couple times over there actually in the in the the few weeks I was over there. Oh yeah, was it comparable to steak or chicken? It was good. It was it was very tender though. I mean, you basically have to eat it pretty much, pretty much rare to to, to medium. Anything above that, I mean, it's it's too t- too tough to eat. Well, I do like my steak medium rare, and that's awesome about your Australian escapades. Now, there's something I really want to ask you, man. What was it like going toe to toe with a Nova Uniao guy like Valmir Lazaro? Um, that you know what? I, I'll be honest. That was probably the roughest fight I've ever had, as far as the amount of damage I took. Um, uh, I, I had a year layoff, you know, over a year layoff, and I was, I was, my ring rust was just horrible that fight. I'm, I'm always known for my cardio. I'm always in shape, and I just gassed after the first round. And the only thing I think that saved me is he did too. I think, you know, maybe the, the octagon jitters got to him because he gassed as well. And, you know, for the, so the next two rounds, it was just all going on hearts. And, um, you know, he checked one of my kicks and fractured my shin bone pretty bad. And then I got a cut right here above my eye. That was pretty much the first time I've ever – I got cut in another fight, like a tiny little cut. I, it was so small I didn't even need stitches. This is the first time I've ever had stitches for my actual MMA fights. And um, uh, it, it was a war. It was a war, and I, I knew that, you know, going to the third round, you know, I had to, I had to come through, and, I, you know, I, and I did. But it, it was a rough fight for sure, and he, he had a lot of will, and, he had, you know, he had a strong willpower, and he, you could tell he really wanted to win as well. So to this day, you definitely think that's the toughest fight of your career? I don't know about the toughest, but it's that it's definitely I took the most damage. My my hands were both messed up after. I mean, I've all, I've, you know, I've had hand problems off and on, but my hands were really hurt. You know, both of my shins. You know, one of my shins was fractured. You know, I had the cuts. I mean, it, it was just a rough recovery after that. And what round did he check your kick to fracture your shin? The very first, like within within the first two minutes. It was rough. <laughs> Holy shit, man! So I mean, you know, I'm about to talk about the Nick Hine fight in a second, but. What's it like, you know, getting your shin fracture and having to battle through the end of the first round, the second round, the third round, and knowing that you have to get that victory in the last round? I mean, it was tough. It was uh, uh, it was tough. You know, adrenaline does mask a lot of the pain, but you still feel it. I don't care what anybody says that you feel it in there. But uh, I just tried. I you know, I didn't throw any more low kicks after that. You know, for sure. But I, you know, I checked. I checked a couple of his low kicks, and I noticed that he's he. For a Nova Nyao guy, he wasn't throwing many low kicks either in that fight because I'm pretty sure his shin was, was, was hurting a little bit as well. Is there anything you do in the gym to, like, desensitize your shins for when you go on that shin-on-shin? Shin? I mean, you can. You know, everybody's got theories of, of you know, the, the glass Coke bottle rubbing it on there or hitting it with a, with a stick or whatever the case may be. I mean, the best, to me, the best thing I've found, you know, is you, get, you just got to kick bags, you know, kick bags that are decently hard. I mean, they don't have to be rock hard, you know, but, you know, kick a solid bag and, and just throw more kicks, and you're you're never gonna you're never gonna deaden your nerves. I mean, it would take you know 10, 15, 20 years to deaden your nerves and your shins. 
you know, before, you know, and then in that case, you probably have a lot of chronic arthritis as you got older, if you did do that. So, I mean, you're, you're never a hundred percent. You just gotta, you just gotta, you know, deal with it as the fight comes along. So you're not out there every day kicking palm trees like those guys in Thailand, right? No, not, not, no, not at all. <laughs> yeah. So uh, in that Nick Hine fight, you got dropped twice in the first round and it literally didn't phase you at all. So I just want you to talk about your heart, your mental fortitude and your will to win. How did, you know, were you born with that? Did you have to develop that? Just talk about that a little bit. Um, I definitely think I was born with it. You know, I think it's, you know, you can teach people certain things, but if they don't have it, they don't have it. You know, you can teach them technically how to do this and that. But I mean, there's plenty of guys with greats with great skill sets, but they, but they lose, you know, and you would think they would never lose, but they, they do. And, um, you know, that Nick Hunt fight was a rough one for me because I, I had severe hand problems. I've got uh, a little backstory. You know, I've broke, I've broken my right hand three times and I've had severe, I had severe hand problems before that fight, you know, so I didn't basically spar hit bags, no, no pads. I didn't punch anything for over two weeks before that fight. And, you know, I, I needed the money. I wanted the fight. You know, I needed the win. I needed the, the fights because, you know, I've, I've been so inactive. So I took the fight anyway. And, but I had severe hand problems. So I it was, you know, I moved a lot on that fight. I, I stayed away a lot. And, you know, when he dropped me, you know, I wasn't like uh, Brian Stan trying to act like I was I was almost knocked out or something. I'm like, this dude, and I wasn't like, this dude's delusional. Like, I felt it. It was more like, it wasn't more like a concussive blow. It was more like a push almost. I mean, it didn't look that way, I guess, when I got hit, but I was fully aware of everything. I realized I got dropped, and I was like, damn, I got I got to do something here, you know. I realized I had got dropped, and um, uh, I just knew that I needed to win the next two rounds, and I needed, I, you know, I needed to come through and, and do what I needed to do. For sure. Did you notice Nick Hines' spirit dropping at all once you got back up from those two, uh, I don't know if I want to call them knockdowns, but, I mean, he did hit you, and you went down in the first round, but you get right back up, and, you know, you showed him exactly, you know, why you're the executioner. So did you see him, you know, diminishing at all in his confidence, like his will? Because what's it going to take to put you away? Well, I think, you know, he, he, once, he, once he dropped me the first time, was the first, he got me down, and I swept him immediately. And then he was surprised. Like, I think that he knew, though, I think he was worried about my ground game before the fight even started. You know, he realized that he's a shorter guy and I'm very long on the ground and I trained with a really good jiu-jitsu school. And, um, you know, I'm not that guy that people seen in the Ultimate Fighter three years ago where they tried to advertise me as a dude who had no ground. Like, my ground game is, is, is phenomenal right now. You know, it's, it's, I put a lot of hard work into it. And um, he, was, he was nervous there, I could tell, because he immediately, you know, I swept him and then he got up and then, Went the second knockdown, he tried to get on top, and then I, I, sh- I went for triangle. He pulled out and immediately got up. He just didn't want to play the game, the guard game with me. And then um, I knew that he wasn't a volume striker. Like, I'm a volume puncher. Regardless of whether I got dropped or what, he's not going to throw more punches than me. And I knew that. And, he, and I've seen – you know, I, I study every one of my opponent's fights. And I, I mean, I, I wouldn't say his spirit got down, but he's not going to change his game plan. You know, he, he's not a volume puncher. He – that's why, I mean, he has a few knockdowns. I don't think he has a lot of knockouts on his record, but he does have some, you know, some heavy hands. He knocks a lot of people down, but he's not a volume guy. He never throws, you know, a lot of punches, and I knew that I would, I would catch up to him like that, you know, assuming I didn't get caught again or something, you know. Yeah, you know, I scored that fight for you, but afterwards, you know, backstage, did you guys have any words? Because he, he, he felt like he won the fight, but, I mean, if you rewatch it, you clearly – I mean, you could even score the first round for you despite the two knockdowns, but the second and third are clearly, you know, for James Vick. So what do you think? Um, well, you know, even though he got the knockdowns or whatever, and someone was like, oh, if it was boxing, you'd be down 7 to 10. Well, it's not boxing, you know. If if is a big word, you know. And um, 
even with 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 the knockdowns he got, I I outlanded him two to one on, on strikes on the feet. And even in the first round, I went back and checked the numbers. I still, you know, I I still pretty much, you know, landed double the strikes he did, and I swept him. But I, I will still give him the first round. He got the two takedowns, but I thought I clearly won the second two rounds. I think I, you know, I got booed a little bit at the end because I, they felt like not because and it wasn't the decision. They thought that I lost the fight. It was it was the fact that I they, they thought I was running a little bit at the end because I was moving the last thirty seconds and just avoided contact because I knew in my mind I'd already won. And I think, you know, they got, you know, the crowd got a little pissed about that, about me running. And, like, I don't think they booed the decision because they thought he won the fight. I think they booed because they, they weren't entertained, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Now, your fights are usually exciting. So, you know, when the crowd yeah. starts booing, I mean, does that play to your mindset at all? Because I know you're a consummate professional. You probably don't give a damn. But just tell me about it. What's it like when you're going toe-to-toe with someone and the crowd starts booing? Well, it did, I ain't gonna lie. It hurt my feelings a little bit because the fact that I was at home. I was fighting in Austin, Texas. I mean, that's that's not home, but it's Texas. You know, that's three three and a half hours away from where I live, very close to home. And uh, I was, and I knew that was gonna happen. And my, my me and my coach talked about that before. Master Lloyd, he's like, you know, if they boo you, it doesn't matter because he has, you know what? He's like, a month later, ain't nobody gonna remember the bully. They're gonna remember who won and who lost. And I, you know, I had to keep that and be disciplined. And that was very hard for me to not just go in there and exchange wild because. I knew that my, I mean, I did have major hand problems before that fight. And I was like, I just got to move and I got I got to get the win. And, you know, I didn't fight for, after that fight, I wasn't able to punch for two and a half months. And I went through, you know, extreme physical therapy on my hands and everything to get them back. That's why it took me so long between that fight to the Jake Matthews fights is because of my hand issues. And um, uh, I knew I was going to win, though. You know, adrenaline, adrenaline will kick in enough, to, you know, to, 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 to let them hands go if I have to, you know. But. It did disappoint me that I got a little, you know, booed a little bit in my hometown. I'm not gonna lie, or my home state. I'm not gonna lie, for sure. For sure, man. And when you choked out Ramsey in Boston, you fought on the same card as Conor McGregor. And it's funny because he was on the prelims, but he still got his own walkout. He gets the rock star treatment. What was it like fighting at the Conor McGregor show? Did you really feel it? And in, in, in Boston, uh, when I fought, that was—I mean, that was like his. What? That was when he fought Holloway. That was like yeah. his second, third fights. Um, Back then, you know, he, he didn't have the name, I guess, I, uh, that he does now. I mean, he got the, I guess he got the little bit of hype back then, but I, I didn't really pay attention to it. I didn't even notice any of that back then, honestly. I just, I went in there and won, and then I was like, you know, I was I was real disappointed that card, even though I won, because I was one fight away from winning that bonus, and then Chell Sonnen submitted show. Oh, man. Nobody saw that coming. And then he took the bonus, and all I wanted to cry. I could barely enjoy my victory. I was so, because I, I mean, that, that was a year and a half layoff. I was, I was broke. I mean, I was on the ropes on that one. I mean, I was broke. I was like, man, that bonus will change my life. And then freaking Chell Sonnen submits Shogun after 15 years of being submitted like one time. Sucked. <laughs> Craziness, man. And, you know, in that fight with Ramsey, even though it lasted under a minute, it showed some things that I actually noticed about your game in, you know, the tough series. Like when you fought Dakota Cochran, and he's supposed to be this stud wrestler, he can't take you down. You know, Ramsey took you down for a second, but you get right back up. So you're very tough to keep down. You know, what do you do to work on, like, your get-ups and stuff like that? Well, it's um, it's it's very hard. To, yeah, it's very hard to take me down and hold me down. I've never ate. What's crazy is when I when I went to the Ultimate Fighter. Um, uh, one thing that helped is Dominic Cruz's team, you know, uh, Alliance and the guys they had, and then the system they had. We did tons of cage work. Like we we did cage work three days a week of using the cage to get up, using the cage to take people down, using the cage to defend takedowns. But even before that, I've always been really hard to take down because for one thing, I'm super tall for the weight class. And I have a really, I have a really good balance. I played basketball so many years. And I think that I think that helped contributes, you know, something to, to my balance. 
because I played basketball since I was like in the fourth grade. I played in junior college. I was, you know, a pretty high level basketball player in high school. And my balance is really good, and, and I'm able to get up really fast, and I'm long. It's hard to hold me down, and uh, I've just, you know, I've just progressed it over the years, and it's 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 really been a you know a strong point in my game. For sure, man. And you are a tall, lightweight, like you just mentioned. How much do you walk around at? Well, now is probably the heaviest I've ever walked around. You know, I did just have surgery on my hip. I'm uh, I'm about shit right now. I'm, I'm about one ninety four, one ninety three. Normally, like training camps, I walk around closer to closer to one eighty. You know, I mean, I just said I haven't been able to train in three weeks. You know, and uh, since my surgery, and then I would say I consistently walking around around closer to one ninety. Though I mean, I mean, I'm, but just three years ago when I was an Ultimate Fighter, I walked around at one seventy five. But I gained, you know, I, I you know, I'm twenty eight now, and I've I've gotten bigger, and it's just you know, just my body's filling out more now. Do you have any plans in the future to fight at one hundred seventy as you get a little older? Eventually, but not anytime soon. Cool, man. So we were just talking about how, you know, you choked out Ramsey in Boston on, you know, the second time Conor McGregor ever fought. So I'm just very curious. What did you think about Chad Mendez versus Conor McGregor? Um, I thought Conor McGregor was going to win. Um, uh, I thought he was going to win because I still think in a rematch, even, you know, I know people might get upset if I say this, but whatever. Um, they're going to be like, uh, oh, if he had more than a two week, I, I don't think on a full training camp he would have won the fight. I think it's a mindset. I think Conor McGregor is so much more mentally stronger than the majority of those guys in that division. And um, uh, I think that's exactly what it was. I mean, I think, you know, it's almost like he, you know, he believes in himself so much and he believes it's his destiny to be a world champion. And it, it's it's hard to, to deny someone like that. You know, all great champions have all, almost, you know, from Muhammad Ali, you know, to whoever, you know, all those guys, Bernard Hopkins, you know, they've almost had a delusional sense of confidence. You know, before people believed in them, they already believed they were the greatest thing around, and, and he, he has that belief. Now, I will say, I don't think he's going to keep that title, and I do think, I, I, you know, I think I think he has a good chance to beat Jose Aldo as well, but I think that Frank Yeager will beat him. I think Frank Yeager beat him because Frank Yeager's not going to stand in front like Chad Mendez did. I think that Frank Yeager, um, um, he, he has a high-level, you know, black belt game on top. And the one thing that Conor McGregor looked like, you know, his takedown defense looked decent. I mean, considering Chad Mendez is the best wrestler in the division. But at the same time, I mean, you know, he looked like a white belt off his back. He looked like a white belt with some good elbows off his back. So I think Frank Yeager's a rough matchup for him because Frank Yeager's got a good chin, too. And, you know, he's taking big shots from bigger dudes, and he's not going to just stand there and take them anyway, you know? Yeah, Frankie Edgar's a tough matchup for anyone. I don't care who you are. I mean, it's funny. He was the champion in your weight class a couple of years back. The guy's just a little stud. What would it be like, you know, you're six foot three to fight a guy that's five foot six and a former lightweight champ? I mean, it's just crazy. What do you think about that? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, that's crazy. I, uh, I've never, I've never fought anybody that, that that short, even though I'm tall, five six that I know of. I fought. I think I fought a couple people. They have them listed as like five seven, but they were, like they had even uh, Nick Hine. They had Nick Hine listed as five six. He's not five foot six. He's at least five foot nine, if not taller. He was quite a bit taller when we stood next to each other. And then they had uh, Sure Dog had Jake Matthews listed as five nine, and he was like six foot one. He was, I mean, he was only like <laughs> and a half shorter than me. And I'm like, you know, there's no way. But uh, I fought him in bar. I fought short guys like that, a couple short guys like that when I fought amateur boxing. But I've never fought anyone in MMA that short. It'd be it'd be an interesting matchup. Yeah, for sure, man. So just backtracking a little bit, you know, you mentioned the boxing. You are a Golden Gloves boxer. How did you transition into MMA and adapt that ground game with your striking? Well, um, you know, I think a lot of people, uh, 
don't realize that I haven't boxed that long. Even though I won two Golden Glove Championships, I basically did that over a two, two and a half year time period. But I had a surgery also. So you're talking, you know, I had a shoulder surgery during that time period as well. So, I mean, I, I had basically 20 amateur fights in a year and a half. And I was able to win two Golden Glove Championships like that. One of them was an obvious, the other one was an open, open championship. And I almost won the state tournament here in Texas. But I didn't have just, you know, I didn't, I wasn't a guy who boxed for, for, for 10 years before I started MMA. I boxed for two years before I started MMA. So it wasn't like a huge transition for me. I just had a bunch of fights because I would just go fight whenever, whenever, you know. I, four, I remember four of my fights were in, were, in, were in six days at the Golden Gloves and the Golden Gloves State Tournament. So I had, you know, four out of the 20 fights I had were all in, in one week. So I just fought a bunch, but I, the experience wasn't as, as much as people would think. Right. So, but what made you like really focus in on MMA as your career? Well, my goal was to, to, to do MMA to begin with, but the town I lived at the time only had a boxing team. And I, and I, I was working, I, it was crazy. I was working, uh, and I, ever since I saw ultimate fighter, I was like, I can do this. You know, I told everyone I, I can do this. And they're looking at me like I'm crazy and retarded, you know? And, um, uh, I had a good job. I was working for this oil field company. I was, you know, for, for a 19 year old kid, I was making good money. And um, uh, I found this boxing gym, and I went out there. I, I sparred the coach the second day I was there. And then I, I trained for three days in a row, and then my job helped me over. Like, a, like I had to work tons of overtime for about two weeks. I didn't get to go to the gym at all, and I was like, I was like screw this, man. I, you know, I, I don't, I'm not going to be an oil field worker the rest of my life. I mean, I mean, you know, I mean, there is, you know, my, both my brothers work in oil field. It's a great job, but that's just what, what my path. And um, uh, I... Uh, I quit my job. I gave him a week notice and I went and got a job at Target. And I took like a freaking 50% pay cut just so I could start training more. Because after the, after the first time I sparred, I was like, this is what I want to do the rest of my life. I know this is what I want to be. And my brother's looking at me like I'm an idiot. You know, he's the one to help me get this job. He's like, you idiot. You know, you're quitting this job for some boyhood dream. And, and I understand where he's coming from because, you know, you're a 19-year-old kid. Most people would have thought that was the dumbest idea ever. And the majority of people, it wouldn't have worked out for but. You know, it worked out for me. So, you know, ever since then, I haven't looked back. I've just dedicated my life to this. That's awesome, man. That's a great story, you know, following your dreams and never giving up, no matter if the people that are closest to you are telling you not to. That You know, that's that's awesome, man. Now, once you got on the Ultimate Fighter Live, you know, obviously we mentioned that you, you know, you stuffed all of Dakota Cochran's takedowns. And, you know, he was the hyped guy going into that show for, you know, for other reasons that we can talk about on another show. But, I mean, the fact that you beat him up, you know, for that first round, that was awesome. Now, when you fought Darren Cruikshank, that's what really opened people's eyes because, you know, the first two minutes – you know, he's kind of getting off on his strikes a little bit. He starts getting a little cocky. And then he, uh, you know, he starts spinning. He, st- he faked a takedown. And you countered him with a beautiful knee that put him out cold. And I believe this was tough live, right? This was live on FX. And, uh, you know, that's when everyone really saw James Vick. So how did your life change after you knocked out Darren Cruikshank? Well, you know, a lot of people thought that that was luck. And, you know, I heard that for, you know, when I was in the house, I couldn't hear that. Or, you know, I couldn't. They wouldn't. We weren't. We didn't have access to to the internet or social media or anything like that. But you know, they were acting like I got lucky or this and that. Um, and I think that you know, I uh, I was still perceived to 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 just be lucky and, and you know, a dude with a decent skills, you know, a, a decent talent, but no skill set. You know, at this point, a lot of people didn't realize either. I'd only turned pro. I'd only been pro eight months when I got on the Ultimate Fighter. And I'm fighting dudes who have been pro for five and ten years or guys that have literally been trained for like five and ten, 15 years longer than I have. And um, I think once I beat Joe Proctor, because, you know, we're, we're in, the, uh, I guess, what was the quarterfinals? 
when I when I when I when I beat Joe Proctor pretty handily, that's when I started getting recognition that people were thinking that I wasn't just a lucky fighter because they had Proctor hyped up at that point as well. And uh, I think people, you know, kind of assumed that I got lucky against Crushank. Uh, uh, and then when I beat Joe Proctor, I think that's when I started getting one. And then I actually think that I was before I going to that fight with Kiesa, I was actually becoming, you know, the favorite to win the tournament at that point. Now, do you ever want to run it back with Kiesa one day? Every in a heartbeat. I've asked that guy. I mean, he don't want to fight me. He I, he don't want to fight me. Um, uh, I, actually, he was he was a, he was uh, the UFC flew him over there to do appearance when I fought in Australia. And I thought about I was going to call him out on the microphone right there, but I, I figured that I needed to. Uh, I, me and my coach talked about it before. I wanted to beg for that bonus, so I didn't figure I had time to beg for the bonus or and, and call him out. So I was like, I want that bonus. That bonus is more important right now. But then I talked to him in the back. You know, we're still good friends and everything, and we lived in the house together for three months. But I mean, it's, I want a rematch, and I told him that I was like, Come on, man, give me a rematch. He don't want to fight me. I mean, he still acts like his career is way ahead of mine or something at this point. Which at this point, I don't understand how because I'm four and zero, and he's like five and three. And, you know, I will give him that. He has fought He has fought better competition than I fought. I'll give him that. But he hasn't beat better competition than I beat. All the level of guys that he's beat are the same level of guys that I've beat. You know, yeah, he, he's fought Maz at all. He fought Lozon, but he lost to those guys. You know, so he can't act like his his career is way ahead of mine at this point. And that's fine with me if he still thinks that and he's delusional, you know, to think that or whatever. He beat me fair and square, but I, I would love a rematch, and I, I know I'll beat him. I'll beat him easily this next time. Absolutely, and... You're actually the only undefeated UFC fighter from that season of Tough, correct? Uh, yeah, as far as I know, since, yeah, because Miles Jury uh, had recently lost to Cerrone. So, yeah, I guess I am. Nice, man. And just, you know, backtracking on the house a little bit, what was it like having all those fights in such a short time span? It was great, actually. You know, I loved it. Like I said, I started boxing, and I was fighting, you know, every weekend, you know. So uh, I, I loved it. I mean, I, I love fighting that much. It was, it's always hard to stay healthy, and I, you know, I, all of us had issues, you know, you know, fighting four times in, in, in three months. Is, you know, MMA is even rougher on your body because it's smaller gloves. You know, you take more damage and stuff, but it was it, it was great. I loved it. I mean, I, I would, it's you know, a lot of people say, oh, that sucked. I would never go back. I'd go back to the Ultimate Fighter in a heartbeat. If they, if they had a comeback season, they'd sign me up right now. I'd, I'd go in a, in a heartbeat. Well, I'll let the public know. And, you know, obviously, we got to talk about Ronda Rousey and Betchy and Shogun, Little Nog, all these guys. But before we get into that, the UFC is coming back to Texas October 3rd for UFC 192. Now, I heard... On the MMA Roasted podcast, you had a torn labrum, if I'm not mistaken. You had to get some surgery. Are you going to be? Are you trying to fight on this Texas card, man? I, there's no way I can. They told me four to six months before I'm 100. percent I mean, it, it does suck because I that would have been perfect to turn. What would have been great is I could have turned around and fought and, and there in October and won. And then the UFC in the last three or four years, they've came to Dallas every February or March. Then I could have waited another three or four months and then possibly got on the main card. Being five and zero in the UFC, being on the main card at a pay per view event in Dallas, twenty minutes from my house, that would have been great. But you know, perfect world, it doesn't. You know, it doesn't happen like that. So uh, I would love to be on that card, but there's, I mean, there's no way. You know, my, I, I, I won't even. I'm not even. I can't even train at all. All I can do is I just now got released yesterday off my or Monday off my crutches, and now I'm doing stationary bike and upper body, and that's it. And I start my physical therapy tomorrow morning. Well, the good news is you'll. Get to sit front row, hometown, watch uh, DC and Gus throw down. Now, is your timetable late 2015 or early 2016? 
uh, early early 2016. I'm, I'm hoping, you know, should the UFC come to Dallas again, like they, like I said, they have, you know, three or four years in a row now uh, in, in February or March. I'm hoping I, I can get on that card. That would be great. I'm hoping I be, should be released 100% and then and everything should be good. Now, assuming you're 100%, now obviously we talked about, you know, a possible Kiesa rematch. Just tell us, who do you want to fight, man? I mean, you know, the floor is yours. Don't say any, whoever Joe Silva and Sean Shelby tell me to. You know, you're in the deepest weight class in the UFC. You know, the top 15 are all murderers. The top 25 are all murderers. It's the absolute most stacked weight class. Who do you want to fight next, James Vick? I mean, I do, I do want to fight Kiesa. I want, I'm, if I could pick anybody in the world, he would be the guy I fight, you know. I don't consider myself undefeated because he won that fight. And, um, uh... Yeah, I want a rematch. I want it so bad. Like, I, I would take a pay cut to fight him because I know I can beat him. Like I said, he beat me that night, and I'm not going to complain about it, but I, I was dominating that fight up to that point, and I know that my skill set's so much better, and I've progressed way more than he has progressed. And not only whereas I better strike than him now, then I am now, but I, I think I'm a better grappler than he is as well. And I, th- I know that I would beat him now. And um, I, if I could pick anybody, it, it would definitely be him in a heartbeat. Besides that, you know, um, just anybody in the top 20, I mean, basically, because I, I don't understand how I'm 4-0 in the UFC and I'm ranked like 38th still. I don't get that when there's dude, Kies is ranked ahead of me. Um, uh, Mitch Clark is ranked ahead of me. You know, I was looking at some of these guys that, you know, you know, there's a couple guys that are only like 2-0 in the UFC that are ranked ahead of me. And I'm like, how are these people, you know, uh, or they're coming off losses. And I'm 4-0, but I do understand, you know, I haven't fought the elite level competition. I understand that. I'm not delusional about where I'm at. But I, I know that I'm getting ready for it, you know, and as soon as I get healthy, you know, I mean, I would love to fight Kies on a comeback, which is probably not going to happen, but um, I would love that fight. And then uh, and then um, uh, whoever, you know, I want to fight somebody in the top 20, top 10. I mean, I, I'm, I'm ready to fight. Now, let's say you do get that Kiesa fight. Do you expect yourself to finish him or 30-26? How do you see that fight going down? Oh, I'm going to finish him. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to knock him out or submit him within the first two rounds. He's done. I'm gonna, you know, he's gonna come out. He's, you know, he's gonna come out. He's got a good chin or whatever. But I mean, I dropped him twice the first time he fought. You know, um, uh, uh, yeah, I, w- I would definitely finish him for sure, man. Now, real quick, one last thing before we talk UFC 190. Tell me what kind of music you like, man. Um, well, you know, I pretty, I mean, I'm pretty much listen to everything. I'm, you know, I, I listen to, you know, hip hop and, and rock and roll and stuff like that. Um, uh, I don't listen to a lot of country, even though I'm from Texas. I, I listen to some of it, I guess, because you know, my my family grew up, you know, uh, I grew up listening to that with my mom and dad and stuff. But I mean, not everybody from Texas wears cowboy hats, and you know, it's a misconception. Yeah. What What are your top three favorite rock bands? Um. Now. Let me think. I mean, I've always, you know, I've always been a, you know, I guess for my brother, you know, a Metallica fan, you know, because you know that, you know, my 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 I have a big brother that's like fourteen years older than me, so I grew up listening to that, you know, um, you know, uh, Pantera is pretty good, you know, Texas, you know, Texas group. Um, uh, who else? Let me think. I'm trying to think. I just drew a blank. Hey, nothing wrong with uh, Metallica and Pantera. Those are some two classic rock and roll iconic bands. So, hell yeah, man. They actually own a club here. Uh, Pantera owns a strip club here in Dallas. <laughs> oh, nice. Yeah. Cowboys from hell, right? <laughs> hey, yeah. so, so James Vick, so UFC 190 is taking place this Saturday. Obviously, we know Ronda's fighting Betchy, but there's a couple fights I really want to talk about on this card. 
Damian Maya is fighting Neil Magny. Now, we all know Damian Maya. He has the reputation of being one of the best Brazilian jiu-jitsu practitioners in the UFC. But now he's taking on a guy in Neil Magny who has one of the longest reaches in the welterweight division. He's on a seven-fight win streak, and, you know, he's the younger, fresher guy. How do you see this fight playing out? Uh, this one's a, this one's a hard one to pick because you don't know how how da- how old Damian Maya is and how like how old is he exactly anyway? Thirty eight. See, you don't know how. I mean, but he has a style that that age doesn't affect as much as other people. I mean, realistically, I would honestly. I mean, I'm 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 pretty pretty cool with Neil Magnum. You know, we fought on a couple cars together actually, and uh, you know, me and him are pretty cool. You know, my coaches are cool with him. But I mean, honestly, to me, Damian Maya. His ground game is good enough that he literally should be able to go pull guard and beat Damian. I mean, beat Neil Magny. Honestly, I mean, he's not going to do that. Obviously, probably not. But I mean, it's it's it, that's a tough one to pick because Neil Magny, if you know, if he stuffs a takedown, he he'll win a decision. But I don't know if he can if he'll knock Damian Maya out. But I think he'll, he he does throw a lot of volume. He doesn't have big power, but he's a he's very well rounded and he throws a lot of volume. But I mean, if I had to bet, if I had to bet. I would probably still pick Damian Maya if I had to bet. Yeah, and this fight is close to pick. I mean, you know, obviously if Damian Maya gets it to the ground, you know, he can basically suck out all the life and energy of Neil Magny. But if Magny is able to get it back up to the feet, you know, use those butterfly hooks like Rory McDonald did so effectively, once it stays on the feet, there is a chance that Neil Magny can pick him apart a little bit, drain the cardio of Damian Maya, and potentially get the decision like you mentioned. Now, who do you have on that fight? It's tough, dude, because like, like you said, if Damian Maya gets on top of him, you know, Damian Maya on top of ev- anyone is bad news. But Neil Magny is getting better every single fight. I think he could pull guard and submit him. He, I mean, he's that much higher of a level. He's like a five-time world champ, four-time world champion versus a dude that's like an average brown belt. You know, I mean, I mean, I think he could. But, I mean, I doubt he's going to pull guard. Most people wouldn't, you know. But, I mean, and Damian Maya has good takedowns for, for, for jiu-jitsu, man. You know, he took down Rick Story pretty easily. He took down uh, the stun gun guy. You know, the Korean guy, I mean, he, he has good takedowns, but he is getting older. That's, you know, always a question, you know, so I don't know, man. <laughs> it's a tough I'm, one, man. I, I recommend everyone stays away from a bet unless Neil Magny is just such a high underdog that you can't resist because I do see paths to victory for both. Now, Soa Pileli, the Hulk, he's fighting Bigfoot Silva. Now, Bigfoot Silva, you know, a couple years ago, this is one of the scariest guys in the heavyweight division because not only does he have that size, but... If he touches you with one of those lunchbox fists, you're going down. If he gets that full mount on you, you're not getting out. But, you know, he's off the TRT, and he's not taking punches as well as he used to. You know, obviously, Mir Narlovsky, they are former UFC champs, but, you know, Mir knocked him out with a 1-3. I usually look at a 1-3 as a setup for the 2, and he knocked him out He knocked him out with that. So, what do you think, man? Soa Pileli or Bigfoot Silva? What's the odds on that fight? Do you have that? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so uh, he's currently around like minus one ninety, and Bigfoot's like plus one fifty ish. I would take a gamble on on Bigfoot with the odds. Now, if it was an even bet, I don't know if I would I would I would bet on that. But with the odds, I mean, I would take. I mean, Soa has who's he really beat in the UFC? You know, I mean, honestly, who's he beat? I mean, he's you know he hasn't beat a lot of high level guys. You know, I mean, uh, he's beat some some average you know UFC guys that are you know mid tier guys, but he hasn't beat anybody. He hasn't fought the competition that Bigfoot Silva's fought. So, I mean, with those odds, I, I would bet a little bit on, on Bigfoot for sure. 
Yeah, I feel what you're saying in terms of the level of competition, but I think there might be a chance that Bigfoot's at that point in his career where, you know, a gust of wind and he'll get knocked out, man. I mean, because the punches he's been taking to go down lately haven't been the, the hardest. Obviously, it's heavyweight. Anyone can go down. But, man, he just does not look like the same guy, not just in terms of, you know, how much slower he is now, but his physique, too. He definitely looks a lot softer than he used to. So... In terms of where they are now in their careers, I have to lean Soa, but like you said, the odds are a little bit, you know, it's a little bit too high for a heavyweight fight. So that's another interesting one, man. And for sure. obviously, Stefan Struve is fighting Big Nog in Brazil. Now, you know, Big Nog, he, he is at the end of his career, but every single time, for the most part, except when he fought War Doom, when he's been fighting in Brazil, he's been knocking guys out. You know, knocked out Brendan Schaub. He submitted Dave Herman. Now he's fighting Stefan Struve, who, you know, he's the tallest guy in the UFC. He's seven feet tall. He's got a John Jones reach. The only issue is the guy doesn't ever use his reach. He doesn't use a jab. He doesn't use a front kick. He doesn't use the kind of tools that tall men need to use to, you know, utilize that range. And he often finds himself eating an overhand right and going down to the canvas. Now, Noguera, he doesn't have the best chin anymore because he's had such a long career. But he is a great boxer. He does have good head movement. Obviously, on the ground, we know he's a whiz there. How do you see this fight between Noguera and Struve going down, James? What's the odds on that fight? Right now, if I'm not mistaken, I believe it's about the same as Soa and Bigfoot, except uh, Struve is the favorite. Yeah, I mean, I, I think Struve's going to win. I mean, it, I'm a huge Noguera fan. Noguera's, Noguera's one of my favorites, all-time favorites. But, I mean, he's taken so much damage. He's um, had some serious injuries, you know, with this, you know, the breaks he had, you know, with the, with the Frank Mirror fight. And, um, I mean... Struve does have a suspect chin, you know, he's when he gets touched on his chin, but I mean, if I had to, you know, and I, I do think, I think Noguera's tougher, I think he's more mentally stronger, he's tougher, but I, I mean, I would have to pick Struve on that one. I feel you, man. I do think it, it comes down to Struve's confidence because, you know, after he had that heart condition in that last fight with Alistair Overeem, it kind of looked like he didn't want to be there, man, but then you look back at like, you know, his fight with Stipe, and that's a completely different guy. So it's all about who's going to show up on fight night. That's why this card is so damn hard to bet on because, you know, there's all these, you know, ifs, ands, or buts, you know? So it's. Yeah, for, this is a tougher card to, to, to pick fights on. <laughs> for sure. I definitely think you got to look towards the weigh ins before you make your final picks. Now, Shogun Hua is fighting Lil Nog. Now, obviously, these two fought back in Pride, and that was one of the best fights. In Pride history, now they're both towards the end of their career. You know, Shogun is the former UFC light heavyweight champion. Lil Nog, you know, brother of Big Nog, absolute stud too. These two had a war already. What do you think is going to go down in the rematch? I would, you know, um, uh, I, it's crazy. You know, I'm just a fan of all those Pride guys. I, I am. You know, they, they were they were they were warriors. I would, you know, I'd probably. I mean, I like I like Lil Nog, and he's he's been hot and cold. You know. He's came in and, you know, I mean, he, he did the thing against, you know, uh, Rashad, you know, just pretty much stuffed all his takedowns. And, but I would, I, I probably still, I was probably still going to roll with Shogun. Yeah, man, I totally agree with you on that one. I think that, you know, every single time Shogun trains with Master Rafael Cordero, you know, he leaves Brazil, goes to San Diego and, you know, changes his life. I actually think it's L.A., but. Every time he moves away from his family, actually this time it's funny because he brought his family with him, but every time he leaves Brazil, he gets really good results, especially with Master Hoffa, who really understands his game. So for that specific reason, I do think that Shogun Rua is going to go out with a knockout victory. Now, 
We gotta talk about the main event because, you know, Ronda, she's fighting a Brazilian in Brazil, and this girl's name is uh, Betchy, which is a very interesting name. We can talk about that some other time, but, you know, she's a minus 1500 favorite to beat a Brazilian in Brazil. We all think she's gonna run through her, but she's been saying stuff like, I'm gonna try to drag the fight out a little bit. Now, I'm wondering, is that just pre-fight talk, or does dragging it out mean winning in 40 seconds instead of 15? Or does she actually literally mean that she's going to drag it out to deep waters in the later rounds? What do you think, James? Just talking, man. She's just talking. If she gets that arm, now she when she says drag it out, she may try to break that arm before the ref comes in. She may literally try to break it on purpose before the ref steps in or, or whatever. But if she finishes that fight in the first two minutes, she's going to finish it as soon as she can. She's going to come out probably... You know, balls to the wall, 100% like she always does, and just try to mop this floor with this girl. She's probably going to come in. They're going to swing wild in exchange, and uh, Ron is going to freaking, you know, get her in a freaking headlock and a hip toss her, just like she did, Um, uh, what's, what was the girl, Alexis Davis maybe? Yeah. Like, it's probably going to be like that. They're going to come out and just tack each other like bulls, and, and you know, um, that's the way Ronda fights, and everyone who's met her head on like that has, has paid the price, and, and it, from what I've seen from, from Beth, she, that's the way she fights. So I don't think it's a good matchup for her, and I doubt she's just going to catch. You know, that's one one disadvantage for some of the girls, you know, is they don't have the big punching power, a lot of them. So they uh, they can sit there and exchange and exchange and exchange, and even even if they were to be beating Ronda on the feet, since she, she got them down, it's a lot easier for, them, for I guess, for, for the women to, to finish on the ground than it is the feet, you know, because, you know, they don't have the physique, the power, you know. Yeah. But yeah, Ronda. Smash! Ronda's gonna smash her. I mean, I, I mean, I guess Betts is like a basically like sixteen to one underdog. I might bet twenty dollars on it just to take a chance, but I wouldn't. I wouldn't risk any more of that. But she's she's gonna get smashed. Yeah, and I completely agree, James. And you know, one thing that I always think about is with every single dominant champion, there comes that time when you know they start believing their hype a little bit. They you know they think they're gonna walk through everyone, and one day they just don't show up. You know, the poster behind me. I, I was there when you know, Anderson got knocked out by Weidman, and I was like, you know, during the fight, I'm like, all right, he's playing with him, he's messing with him, this is normal, this is what he does every fight, then he goes down, you know, one day, that could happen to Ronda Rousey, but I truly believe this weekend is not going to be the time, and I assume you agree also. Yeah, for sure, yeah, she's, yeah, it's, it's hard, you know what, she has such an advantage over all those girls, and for multiple reasons, obviously, but, I mean, for one is, the fact that she's been training so much longer than everybody else. Like, I hate how they how some of these people come in and they see, like, John Jones or even her, and they're like, oh, they won the world title after only three months of MMA training. Yeah, but you've been wrestling for 10 years. That is training, dumbass, you know? When you've been wrestling since you were a kid, that is training for MMA. It, it is. I mean, you've been doing judo since you were three years old. That is training, regardless of whether you want to act like it's not MMA training. It is, you know? And, um, uh... I think that she, it's it's just literally unfair because not only is she not only has she been training so much longer than everybody else, she, I mean she has you know not only she she literally has 10 15 years more experience than pretty much everyone she's 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 also the best athlete and that's the hardest combination to be and her mindset you know she was raised and her mom obviously instilled that mindset in her head where she's you know she's got it she's got it right here and it's it's hard to beat someone like that already and throw the fact that she's three times as experienced as everyone and throw on the fact that she's more athletic than them. It's, it's, it's going to be hard to beat her anytime. I mean, anytime soon, it's going to be hard to beat her. Yeah, absolutely. And you bring up her mom, which is interesting because her mom used to wake her up in the middle of the night and put her in arm bars. I mean, that's how, uh, you know, she developed that championship mindset, which she brings into the octagon every single time she fights. 
Yeah, she's. I mean, she she she's a savage, you know. And uh, it's it's it literally is. It's not even fair. Like some of the like, and honestly, I hate to say this in a bad way, but the the like it's going to be hard for them to be here because there's no there is no competition in her weight class for her, none whatsoever. Because it's like she's so far, she's light years ahead of everyone because she's been training longer. It's it's almost like they needed they should have kept Strike Force as a feeder organization or give these people time to build themselves up because in the women's division right there in the Bantamweight division, you have basically five girls that are good and the rest of them aren't even close. You know, it's, it's, it's a land. I mean, you got, we got Rhonda who's light years ahead of everyone. Then you have, you know, Jessica, ah, Misha Tate, you know, Sarah, uh, Sarah McMahon and what's Sarah Kaufman, I guess you have like four or five girls there that are like, you got Rhonda, them, and then everyone else below them is even, even not even close. It's, it's the competition level is not even close to the same. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm actually, I might be in the minority on this one, but I think that Ronda would defeat Cyborg in under a minute also. I don't think that, you know, a lot of people try to act like Cyborg is, you know, the foil to defeat uh, Rousey and, you know, everyone's protecting Rousey from her. And I completely disagree, man. I think she would destroy Cyborg. What's your opinion on that potential fight? I don't know if she would destroy her. Um, uh, I mean, maybe if she got the one, like, People could say, oh, well, Cyborg's a black, but it doesn't matter. I mean, she hasn't did uh, 50,000 armbar defenses like Ronda Rousey did 50,000 armbar offensive attacks and drills or whatever. You know, if you, you haven't practiced, it's like it's like my, my guillotine that I've hit people with a few times. You know, I've drilled that thousands and thousands of reps, and it doesn't matter. You know, I was telling my coach, I was like, oh, people are going to catch on that move. First of all, I have plenty more submissions that, you know, people don't know about. But, you know, it doesn't matter if, if you know – you know, it doesn't matter if you know Paul Harris is going for a leg lock. You ain't going to stop it, even if you're a black belt. He, he, they, there ain't many stopped it yet. I mean, Alan Belcher got famous off of stopping it. He's the only one, you know. So it doesn't matter if, if she knows the arm bar is coming and she's a black belt. It's very unlikely that she would still shut that down over the course of five rounds. But now now a couple years ago, I did think Stopboard would be there. I did think that two year, even just two years ago, I thought she would. Now, no, I think Ronda would, would, would finish her. I think Ronda would, would, would submit her. Not like... You know, Cyborg obviously would, would outstrike her, but they would go to the ground. And Cyborg, you know, probably has a better guard than most of the girls, you know, but it's not going to be good enough. And Ron, I, I think Ron, I think Ronda would beat her. You know, I just, I, I definitely think that as well. Yeah, I couldn't say it better myself. And, you know, you did bring up Husimar Tokinio Palharis, and he's actually fighting Jake Shields this weekend for, you know, a World Series of, fi- of fighting title. Now, I want to know, James. Who's going to win that fight? Is Tokinio going to take home the leg of Jake Shields, or is Jake Shields going to pull an Alan Belcher, grind him out, or possibly TKO him? Well, I think that uh, I think that uh, that's a hard fight to pick too. It is, you know, it's it's a very hard one. Just like the rest of, I think if 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 a Paul Harris wins, it won't be by leg lock. I don't think he's going to leg lock Jake Shields. Um, I think that Jake Shields. Um, I think Pars is a better striker than Jake Shields. Jake Shields is a one-dimensional fighter, but I mean, and he's not even a great wrestler. He's a grinder. He's not, you know, super athletic, but he, but he has a serious skill set. And he, I mean, I, he did, you know, beat Damian Maya and just hold him down for five rounds, which was was extremely impressive. I mean, what are the odds on that fight? It hasn't come out yet, but I'm expecting it to op- right. open like close to pick him. And then I think a lot of people are talking about Shields potentially grinding him out, but I'm actually leaning towards Balharis. You think he'll leg lock him? Yeah, because, I mean, like, Jake Shields is saying shit like, you know, I don't mind going to the ground with him. Yeah, Jake Shields is a stud on the ground. He did neutralize Damian Maya, like you mentioned, but Tokino is a totally different style of jiu-jitsu than Damian Maya is, you know? 
those guys that only attack for leg locks, that's all they do. That's what they specialize in. They don't give a shit about getting a triangle. They don't care about full mounting you. They only care about ripping your leg off. And if Jake Shields is a little bit too overconfident, he's going to get his leg ripped off. You know, one thing, though, I, if I had to bet, I would pick Jake Shields. Another thing, is, is it, it's a five-round fight, isn't it? Yeah. I th- Jake Shields has lots of experience in five-round fights. And, um, uh, you know, Tokino doesn't. And, I mean, on the ground, I think Jake Shields is better. I mean, with the exception of the, the phenomenal leg locks he has overall, I think Jake Shields is better. I mean, to me, Damian Maia is the best jiu-jitsu player in the whole MMA world. Him, him, probably Verdum, you know, Jacare. Jacare's a top game guy, but I mean, um, Shinny Aoki, you know, the, 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 from the. I mean, I understand, you know, Paul Horace is not that great off his back except leg locks, you know. I mean, we haven't seen the rest of his game because he's been so dominant at that. But I just, Jake Shields is an experienced grappler. Seriously, I just. I would pick Jake Shields. Yeah. Now, I'll say this. If it goes past the first round, you have to favor Jake Shields. But if the fight's going to end in the first, it's probably going to be him getting his leg ripped off. So I'm very intrigued by this matchup. Now, you you obviously agree with me that you know Jake Shields is a much better grappler than John Fitch, right? Yeah, for sure. Jake Shields is a better grappler than John Fitch. He's probably the same level wrestler. But as far as you know, pure jiu-jitsu, yeah, he's, he's better. And... Um, He's probably more experienced, you know, defending leg locks, you know, than than than, than John Fitch is, and um, and he has a, a, a more compact body type, and that makes a difference, you know, with leg locks as well, you know, with the defense and everything. And um, uh, I mean, I'll, I'll I'll have to lean towards Jake, man. I feel you, man. Now, real quick, you mentioned that uh, power guillotine that you like to use now. Is that something that, like, you know, in the gym, only guys like you can do? Because, you know, you do have the longer limbs. And I only see, like, I've only seen you do it against Ramsey. I saw John Jones do it against Leota Machida. And then back when uh, Cody McKenzie was in the UFC, you know, he'd pull that off against some lower-level guys. But right now, it's just you and John Jones doing the power guillotines. Is that something that you can only do because, you know, you are the taller, longer guy? It helps. It does help. I'll say that. But um, uh, just the other day, uh, Joe Proctor hit one. When he fought, uh, what's his name, Joe, Justin Edwards. Oh, yeah, he, he was getting his ass whooped that entire fight, and then with two seconds left, he chokes him out cold. I thought that was a close fight. I didn't think he was getting his ass whipped. Oh, really? I thought it, yeah, I thought it was a close fight. But, yeah, he, he caught him in the, you know, with the, in the neck with that, and uh, that's pretty much the exact same, same finish, you know. Um, uh, being long does help, but, I mean... I mean, you. I mean, you don't have to have super long arms to to, to, to get you know to be able to push it over, you know. But uh, it, it definitely helps for sure. And it just people are so shocked that you can get your arm that deep, you know. And like like even when I fought Jake Matthews, you know, he did the right defense. He rolled out of it like he's supposed to, but it's too late. As long as you know how to follow him, it, you know, and you let him get that deep. And plus, he was you know he was rocked a little bit from the knee also that I landed. But um, you you let him get that deep. It, it's a rough it's a rough gig getting out, you know. For sure. Now, on that on that subject, are we expecting you know any anacondas, darses, or triangles from you in the near future? Oh, that's all in my game. I mean, I do my my arsenal is pretty 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 good at this point. Pretty loaded with 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 various submissions. Um, uh, of course, I try to keep the fight standing, you know, because I prefer that, you know. And I'm you know, I just you know I like being a striker. Um, uh, you know, no one's been able to take me down, hold me down. No one's been able to take me down, hold me down my whole career. Not just you know, uh, from my amateur fights to my uh, to my uh, pro fights before the Ultimate Fighter to my Ultimate Fighter fights to my UFC fights. I've never you know, and, and actually you know, I've had 
if you count amateur, pro before the UFC, before the Ultimate Fighter, Ultimate Fighter fights and UFC fights, I've had about I've had about 17, 18 fights total in just MMA, not boxing, kickboxing, and I've maybe been on my back a total of two minutes and all of them combined. Nice. And let like one guy had a full blown triangle on, and then I reversed him, but I was on my back for like 30, 40 seconds. Like I don't, I've, I've never been able to. No one's ever been able to hold me down. That is now I practice my guard, you know, more than anything because I realized if we go to the ground, I'll probably be the one on bottom because I'm not the wrestler. But my offensive wrestling has been getting really good. Also, I've been working in a lot as well. But um, uh, I mean, I, I don't see you know I, even a high level wrestler dude unless he's like also he better be a high level wrestler and you know and a black belt to be holding me on the ground you know for 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 a long period of time. Do you think that, like, you know, let's say you get a couple more victories and they line you up with someone like Khabib, who he arguably has the best top control in the entire 155-pound division, and, you know, he's a Dagestani badass. What do you think about that matchup? I mean, I mean, he's he's a bad dude. I mean, it's it's a rough matchup for anybody just because the style point he's he's such a specialist at what he does. I mean, that being said, you know, I'm not afraid to fight anybody. You know, I'm not afraid of anybody, and you know. Um, in my mind, I you know I'll find a way to beat anyone. You know, and you know who somebody may watch this and laugh and say, "Ha whatever." You know, that's that's your fucking opinion. You know, not mine. You know, and in my mind, you know, uh, I have a chance against anybody, and I can beat anybody, and I will be a world champion one day. Um, I think it's to me. I even think it's ridiculous right now that I'm beating half these guys that I'm beating for the fact that most of them have been training twice as long as me. Like if I had I been training as long, had I been wrestling since I was five years old, ten years old, like some of these guys, I'd already be a world champion. You know, to me, that's that's an insult on their skill set. Like, like that's I mean, that's a joke to me that, that some of these guys I'm beating. You know, that's how I knew I was going to beat Jake Matthews because he he hadn't been training years longer than me, like a lot of these guys had. You know, but even like Ramsey, you know, the dude's been wrestling since he was a kid, freaking wrestling four years in you know D one college. You know, I mean, you should you in my mind, if I'd been doing all that, I'd already be a world champion. Well, you heard it here at first, folks. Now, real quick before we wrap things up, I want to know, James, what's your fight to watch? For UFC 190, the, uh, the most exciting fight I'm looking. I, I want to see the Shogun, you know, uh, the Shogun Nogueira fight. Uh, uh, I'm excited to watch that fight. Uh, I've, I've always been a fan of both of theirs. You know, I love I love watching Pride, and um, uh, I'm hoping I'm hoping we get a three round war. I'm hoping I don't want nobody to get knocked that quick. I want to see a three round you know fight, um, and and I want to see, you know I'm hoping I'm hoping to see a war in that fight. I think you know. I would say the Ronda fight, but I don't think it's going to be a fight. You know, I think Ronda's going to smash her. And, um, uh, you know, the Neil Magny fight, you know, Damian Maia is interesting. But, I mean, if my one fight is Noguera versus uh, Shogun. Yeah, since you went with uh, Noguera versus Shogun, which is going to be an absolute war most likely, I'm going to actually go with Magny versus Maya because, like, like we briefly mentioned earlier, you know, you got – the striker that's on a seven-fight win streak, he's the younger, more youthful guy, but then you got the best Brazilian jiu-jitsu guy in the UFC. He's 38, he's still beating the young gun, so I'm very intrigued by that matchup. Now, James, what's your, who is your fighter to watch for UFC 190? It's going to win. Period. Just to watch. I don't know, man. I don't know. Uh... I mean, obviously Ronda. I mean, she's she's gonna she's gonna destroy. But I mean, that's I don't think that's I think it's too obvious. <laughs> um, uh, I mean, I, I like Shogun, man. I, I mean, I, I like Noguera too. I've always been a fan of Noguera's, especially the well, both of Noguera brothers. Um, just that that fight in general. One of those guys, you know, I think is gonna you know come through and win. I think it's gonna be a close fight um, if someone doesn't get caught. And I think, you know, I don't know, man. I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna go with Shogun just because, like. 
you know, he has been up and down, but like I mentioned, now he's back with Master Hoffa, and every single time he trains with Master Rafael Cordero, he comes out and he finishes, guys. So I'm expecting a knockout by Shogun Rua here. For that reason, he's my fighter to watch. Now, James, I want to thank you so much for joining me on the UFC 190 edition of Half the Battle. Anytime you want to come back on the show, break down the fights with me, or just let us know about your upcoming plans, the spot is always open, my man. So, you know, let the audience know where they can find you and what's coming up next. Um, uh, well, uh, you can you can reach me on uh, my Twitter or my Facebook fan page. It's uh, simple. It's uh, James Vic MMA uh, is my, my name for both of them. And um, uh, right now, you know, I just had the surgery, so it's going to be a while before I fight again. And you know, I'm optimistic about, you know, about getting healthy and being able to train, you know, and, uh, you know, continue my undefeated streak. And um, uh, so I'm, I'm looking at, you know, next year, early next year is, is a return time, you know, probably probably February or March, hopefully on a card in Dallas, maybe. And, um, uh, you know, that's all I got going right now. Awesome, man. Yeah. And I got to plug. A... Go ahead. Go also. Ahead. Follow my page for the real best fight picks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, James Best Fight Pick Vic. Now, I got to plug a couple things before we leave. You know, obviously, this is my show, Half the Battle, and we're going to do two episodes this week. You know, the first one, obviously, James Vic joined us. And then on Friday, we got Joey G from the, the show Cage Cash. It's one of the best MMA betting podcasts. And Sam Reeves, who runs everything digital with Best Fight Picks. He's going to be joining me to talk UFC 190 on Friday. And then, obviously, next week, we got the Nashville edition of Half the Battle, where I will be live on scene in Nashville as OSP takes on Glover Teixeira. All the MMA analysis boys will be there, Wes, Dougie, you know, Jeremy Gamble Pro Sheets. Now, every single Wednesday or Thursday, depending where you are on the globe, during Fight Week, myself and Fly and Brian, we do the Flying with Best Fight Picks podcast. We break down every single fight from start to bottom. We let you know which bets to place, your counter move team, your UFC pick the entire ordeal. So subscribe to Best Fight Picks on SoundCloud and YouTube. Follow me at Best Fight Picks and MMA Thought. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for tuning in and enjoy the fights.